Welcome into the Rebound Rundown. Today is Thursday, March 2nd, 2023. I'm your host, Paul Fritschner, and this is produced by Chatterbox Sports. This is your Daily Digest College Basketball Show, where you can get your info on Cincinnati area college hoops every Monday through Friday in short episodes. Well, today is Thursday, and I'm joined today by Rick Broering of MusketeerReport.com and the radio analyst for NKU. Thought today would be a more appropriate day to bring Rick on, given the fact that NKU is playing in the quarterfinals of the Horizon League tournament tonight. They'll be in action at 7 o'clock at Truist Arena. I will be there in attendance for that game. I'm looking forward to it playing Oakland, four-seeded Norse against the fifth-seeded Oakland, uh, just coming off that win against Oakland this past weekend, getting a rematch right away in the next game. But we also have a couple other things to talk about tonight, Rick, before we get to a preview of that NKU game, also Wright State in action tonight in their game in the Horizon League. We have some things to talk about from last night, and what a win for the Xavier Musketeers. Number 19, Xavier, goes on the road and hands Providence their first home loss of the season. Xavier wins 94-89, to snaps Providence's 19, or rather 17-game home winning streak, and now Providence 36-2 and in their last 38 home games. This game was dominated by Sule Boom and Colby Jones. Sule Boom finished with 33 points in this one for Xavier. Colby Jones finished with 29. 22 of those 29 points for Colby Jones came in the second half. And when you talk about taking over a game, Colby stepping up in the biggest moments, he did that last night against Providence. Rick, what a massive win for Xavier. It was huge. And I think what you saw is Providence had one really good perimeter defender in Devin Carter. And to start the game, he was guarding Colby Jones. And that led to Sule Boom going off. He scored 19 of his 33 in the first half and was just unconscious as Xavier built a 22-point lead uh, within the first 20 or so, 25 minutes maybe, of that game. And then in the second half, they moved Devin Carter over to guard Sule Boom. And then Colby Jones went off, like you just talked about, scoring 22 of his 29 in the second half. So I thought that was really the biggest storyline of the game. There was that middle period of the game where Providence played a zone defense, and that seemed to take Xavier out of their rhythm a little bit. But look, when you're on the road and you've got a 22-point lead, you know that's always going to come back down to earth at some point, and the home team is going to make a run on you. Providence did just that, but Xavier held strong and, and weathered the storm. Why do you think Providence switched out of that zone in that part of the game? Because it did feel like it was giving Xavier some trouble, but then all of a sudden they got out of it. It's a really good question, Paul, because they played it at the end of the first half and that got them right back into the game. They cut it down to a nine point deficit right before halftime after trailing by as many as 22. And then they started out playing it in the second half and seemed to be doing an okay job. They had it down to a one possession game at a few different points there early in the second half. And then it seemed like maybe Xavier made a few mid-range jumpers where they just lost a guy was kind of floating through the, the elbow area there, got loose and knocked down a shot. That happened two or three possessions in short succession, and it seemed like Providence panicked a little bit and got out of it. I'm wondering if after Ed Cooley goes back and watches the film, if he's going to regret getting out of that zone defense. Yeah, we talk about Colby Jones and Sule Boom and how well they played in this game throughout. Sean Miller said after the game, he told Adam Baum, Quote, you add them up, they're 21 of 30 from the field, 7 of 12 from 3, 13 of 14 from the foul line. They had 16 rebounds and 8 assists and 62 points. So Sule Boom was as good as any guard in the country tonight, and Colby was right there with him. 
just two massive performances. And we've seen Sule step up. I mean, there was a point up until a couple of weeks ago where he was right there in the running for the Big East Player of the Year. And now it looks like it's Tyler Kolick's award to lose for Marquette. But Colby Jones, too, to have 22 of those 29 points come in the second half, it's a confidence builder for him and even more so for a Xavier team that got into some foul trouble. I mean, there was foul trouble on both sides of the court. We can talk about that more in a second. But for Xavier to score that way and to have their two best players maybe offensively dominate that way was huge. And that's the type of performance by Colby that we've all been wanting to see more of throughout his entire career. It's like, give us that aggressive Colby that takes over a game and dominates. And really in this game, you had as good of a performance as you've seen all year from a Xavier player in the first half by Sule Boom. And then as good of a performance as you've seen all year from a Xavier player in the second half by Colby Jones, when you have two guys playing like that, and that's not factoring in a guy like Jack Nungy or a guy like Zach Fremantle, who's unavailable due to injury right now. This Xavier team is really dangerous heading into the postseason. So now Xavier has some, uh, they don't they don't have any work to do as far as the Big East tournament goes. They just don't want to step on the landmine that is the Butler Bulldogs as far as NCAA tournament seeding goes. But for the Big East tournament with this win over Providence, they seal up the number two seed in the Big East, which means they will play at seven o'clock next Thursday night at Madison Square Garden, the first game of the night session. If anybody's listening to this that's going to the tournament, you listened on yesterday's rebound rundown. You heard me run through all those scenarios. A lot of that has been resolved now. Xavier will play at 7 o'clock on Thursday night. They will play the winner of the Seton Hall and DePaul game that will happen on Wednesday night. Rick, how does this bracket set up for Xavier? I know we'll, we'll do another rundown before that game next week, but just in general, Xavier beat Seton Hall in dominant fashion last week. That was without Kadari Richmond. You beat Providence now here tonight in a potential Friday night semifinal matchup if the teams shake out that way and get there. How does this bottom half of the Big East tournament bracket uh, set up for you before we move on to a couple other subjects here? Well, I think two things to really note. One is Xavier can now... They, there's no chance for them to hurt themselves in the conference tournament, meaning any game they play is going to be looked at as... A, a good loss if you happen to lose the game, for lack of a better term, and can only help you in terms of your resume if, if you're able to pull off the win on a neutral site. So um, whether that's Seton Hall or Providence, you don't have to worry about losing any ground in terms of your NCAA tournament resume or losing a seed line. So if you take care of business against Butler, I think there's a chance that Xavier's already locked into a four seed, even if they were to lose against Butler. But if you beat Butler, then you guarantee you are definitely no worse than a four seed and potentially pushing closer to that three seed line, especially after your last two performances that we've seen. So, um, yeah, I think I think that's one of the big things. And then the second thing that I would look at in the way that this bracket sets up for Xavier is you've got to like the matchups, the Seton Hall matchup, the Providence matchup in terms of the teams that Xavier matches up well with personnel wise. Those are two of the best in the conference for Xavier. So I really do think it's a favorable draw. Let's move on now to Kentucky. Um, and actually, one last note that I did want to mention just about that game uh, between Xavier and Providence last night before I fully move on. I don't want to say that the officiating uh, favored one team necessarily. It was just that there were a lot of fouls called. It felt like a choppy game. And just to give some context to uh, what happened there, there were 40 fouls called in this game. And there were 54 free throws shot between the two teams. Just a choppy game, a lot of whistles, kind of slow. But then as the second half came along, teams, uh, it, it was a tight game toward the end. It was a fun game. But Providence 
Never had the lead. Xavier led the entire way. Xavier went on a run early in the game, kept stretching the lead. Providence got within four in the second half, but never took the lead. All right, let's talk about Kentucky. Well, you know, I talk about landmines with Xavier and Butler. That was the word that I had used with Vanderbilt in this home game. And all of a sudden, as 10-point favorites, the Kentucky Wildcats lost last night just before the buzzer, a late jump shot from just inside the arc. The game was tied at 66. Vanderbilt hits a two-point, a long two-point jumper, wins 68-66. to Rick, just when we thought Kentucky had turned a corner, had skinny on earlier this week, we're talking about, is this a potential Final Four team with all this talent? Now we see the same thing that has plagued this Kentucky team before, taking another bad loss as a double-digit favorite. Yeah, this was really a surprise, and and maybe it shouldn't have been as much of one because this Vanderbilt team has been playing really good basketball recently. They've been shooting the ball well, although that's not necessarily what won them this game, but they've been a tough out for these SEC teams of late. So maybe it shouldn't have been as big of a surprise that Kentucky struggled, especially once Case and Wallace went down with an injury and left UK with zero point guards, essentially, because we learned earlier in the day that severe Wheeler is going to be out for another couple of weeks after he had a procedure that was unrelated to the ankle injury that was already keeping him out. So they are definitely thin at the point guard position, and that really hurt them for a lot of this Vanderbilt game. Once Wallace went down, he played 20 minutes and then was unavailable after that. So I think that's a big part of it. But at the same time, like you said, this looked a lot more like the Kentucky team that we saw maybe a month ago when they were really struggling. And uh, we, I think most Kentucky fans were hoping that they were past that and they had gotten over the hump and were seeing a certain level of consistency out of this Wildcats team. And now this loss really throws everything back into disarray. Sure. All right, Rick, let's turn our attention now toward tonight. And uh, it, it's your time to shine. It's your stage here with the Norse as the, NKU hosts Oakland uh, in the first round or not the first round. Again, it's the quarterfinal round of the Horizon League tournament. Uh, NKU gets a bye. They get a home game here tonight. So where do the North stand here? What What is this game for the North as far as uh, this Oakland beat NKU by one when they played in Highland Heights earlier this year? But NKU just went up to Oakland and won pretty handily on Saturday afternoon. So what is this game for NKU, Rick? And uh, just kind of give me your overall thoughts. Well, look, you want to be playing in Indianapolis. The semifinals and the finals of the Horizon League tournament are in Indy. And if you can't make it there, you feel like you're not among the top programs in the conference and you feel like you're not as relevant. So everyone wants to at least be in Indianapolis. That's why this game feels like it it has a ton of importance on it every year to win that first quarterfinals game. You want to control the fact that you get the bite in the quarterfinals by playing good in the regular season, and then you want to win that home game because you feel like you have some level of control getting that first game at home. And then after that, it's tournament time. It's one and done. Everybody's in the same boat. But there's a lot of pressure going into this game. And I think the biggest thing that I'm going to be watching is the guard matchup between Jalen Moore and Marquez Warwick. Jalen Moore was a first-team all-conference selection for the Horizon League. Warwick was a second-team all-conference selection, which I raised my eyebrow at. I'm not sure how any of the coaches that played against him this year didn't think he was a first-teamer, but that's neither here nor there. Either way, you have two of the premier scorers in this conference going at it head-to-head in this game. So I'm going to have my eye on that, and I think that was really one of the big keys of that first game that NKU lost. 
they struggled to control Jalen Moore, especially late in that game when it got tight. He hit some big shots. They fouled him on a couple three-pointers, and he was just clutched down the stretch, including the game winner that he hit at Truist Arena to send NKU home. So you know he's going to come in with confidence. Oakland's going to have a lot of confidence knowing they've already won in this gym this season, and I'm expecting a really good game. How much does Saturday's win over Oakland give you confidence here? Does does it is it not related? How how uh, how does Saturday's game play into this Thursday night game? Well, I think it definitely gives you a lot of confidence if you're an NKU fan because they took a good punch from Oakland in that game. They got down and they they came storming back and just overtook them in the second half. NKU really played great through that first 10 minutes of the second half and showed a lot of toughness on the road. And the big thing for NKU is all year they've been looking for some of those other guys aside from just Marquez work to step up and give them some consistent play. And now over the last few weeks, you've really seen Sam Vincent play well for an extended period. You've seen Trayvon Faulkner come off the bench. He won sixth man of the year in the Horizon League, and he's given them a nice boost on the offensive end over the last few games. And some of the other guys like Chris Brandon, Xavier Rhodes, Trey, Trey Robinson, even Emmanuel Zordval, the seven-footer redshirt freshman off the bench, has given them some really good minutes at important times. And I think all of that leads to giving you a little bit more confidence as a fan heading into the postseason. Last question here, just more in general, Rick. Wright State plays Milwaukee tonight. They play at Milwaukee. They are slim favorites in that game, but again, a, a quarterfinal game. What's the overall picture of the horizon in your mind? I haven't previewed it yet here on the show. So just a real quick rundown of what you think the overall Horizon League picture is. I know it's more wide open than it has been in years past. What's your thoughts on the league and, and this tournament? Well, Youngstown State is clearly the favorite to win it. They have the best odds if you look at like Ken Palm or any of the predictive metrics that are out there. Also, uh, according to Ken Palm rankings, they're 118th in the country, which is clearly the best team in the Horizon League conference. But they've never been in this position before. They've never won the conference. They've never won a conference championship. And they really haven't been relevant or competitive in the conference tournament in a while so these games are really going to be pressure packed for them because they have the target on their back and if you've paid attention to the horizon league at all over the last several years really since nku has joined the league there's been a lot of upsets in terms of the top seeds going down especially early in the conference tournament so i think everyone is going to have their eye on youngstown state early to see how well they handle the bright lights and and handle that pressure because if they go down then all of a sudden all bets are off because there are a number of teams at least six or so that have a good chance to win it after that well rick i'm very much looking forward to uh to being here tonight at uh, truest arena and to go into this game seven o'clock anything fans should know if anybody listening wants to attend uh, I think just the biggest thing is that it's a great arena to come to a game. It's easy access to get in, to get out. You're not going to be sitting in traffic forever waiting. You're not going to be waiting at the door. It's going to be a quick experience in terms of that. And, you know, you can hit up uh, Max Pizza Pub before or after the game. You get a barley corn right by there before or after the game. There are a couple of good restaurants right by the arena to go to. So I would highly recommend making it down. It's going to be a good basketball game. These two teams have, have played a lot of close battles over the years. Last question here before I let you go. I know you had some thoughts on the uh, dog on Louisville's court. You did a thread on it. What's your thought? Well, I I don't want to you know rehash my tweets too much, but I just felt like you know I I heard rumors that there might have been a certain man uh, in a red polo 
handing out papadillas to some of the dogs as treats, these greasy mm. papadillas. And uh, I, I don't know. So who knows? There's what something going on bigger. There, There's something bigger behind the scenes. I, I don't think it was just that these dogs simply let one get away from them. These <laughs> dogs are the utmost professionals. I've seen them at work dozens and dozens of times at different arenas over the years. Never once has that occurred before. So I'm blaming this on the city of Louisville. When you got to go, you got to go. Thanks, Rick. Appreciate it. See you tonight. Around the country last night, there were a couple blowouts in the Big East. Number 14, UConn beat DePaul 88-59, to and Creighton beat Georgetown by 40, 99-59. Number two, Alabama came roaring back with an incredible rally late in the game against Auburn to force overtime and win 90-85. to That won Alabama, the SEC. Number 11, Kansas State beat Oklahoma 85-69. to Ohio State won again, beating number 21, Maryland, 73-62. to And in Mike Bray's final home game in South Bend, the Irish sent him out a winner, beating number 25, Pitt, 88-81. to And in one score I didn't mention right there, TCU beat Texas, and that means that Kansas is the Big 12 champion. Tonight, number one, Houston is a heavy favorite against Wichita State. Number four, UCLA hosts Arizona State. Number five, Purdue is on the road looking to get back on track against Wisconsin. That's a game Purdue really needs. And late at night, if you're a night owl, number eight, Arizona is at USC. As far as conference tournaments go, the Missouri Valley and the WCC are the only two that get started tonight. The Missouri Valley regular season was won by Bradley for the first time in 27 years. But Drake is a popular pick to win that tournament. Then out west, you have St. Mary's and Gonzaga battling it out as the favorites in the WCC. Paul's pick of the day, presented by Bet Fred Sportsbook, lost last night with Kentucky and Vanderbilt going way under. Uh, look to get back to 500 tonight, and I'll go with Arizona State and UCLA under 134. That'll do it for today's Rebound Rundown. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your Thursday. Have fun at the NKU game if you go, and I'll talk to you tomorrow with a weekend preview.